Who was King Tut? By Roberta Edwards. I think he was tooting on Mm hmm. Let's just say that. Who was King Tut? In June of 2005, Pharaoh fever struck California. In just one month, half a million people streamed into the Los Angeles County Museum of Art. They wanted to see the dazzling jewelry and household items that once belonged to a king of Egypt. Everyone was very excited to see beautiful furniture and lamps, musical instruments, and board games. So many people came, the museum had to stay open until 11 o'clock at night. There was a small chair the king used as a child. There's a chariot that he used to ride. There's a couch in the shape of two spotted cows. Objects that had once belonged to other pharaohs were also on display. There were about 125 objects, including fans and vases and folding chairs and clothes. Although many things looked brand new, they weren't. They were more than 3,000 years old. For all that time, everything lay hidden under the sands of Egypt in a secret tomb. Early in the 20th century, a man named Howard Carter spent years searching for the tomb. <clears throat> he knew the king's name, Tutankhamun, and he knew that he knew where the king was buried. Finally, in 1922, just when he was about to give up, he found it. The discovery made headlines all over the world. Before this, nobody had ever heard of King Tutankhamun. Suddenly, everyone knew his name. People began calling him King Tut for short. Today, King Tut is probably the most famous of all the pharaohs, yet he was not an important or powerful leader. He was a pharaoh for only about nine years. We know he got married. However, we do not even know whether he had children. Tut died very young, when he was 18 or 19 years old, and the reason he died remains a mystery. Some historians think he may have been murdered. It is strange to think that he became famous because of what was buried with him, but all the beautiful things in his tomb are important. They tell us about what life was like in ancient Egypt, and together they form a picture of who King Tut was. So, Dad, he was murdered from malaria. Yeah, we think, we, we're pretty sure he had, he got malaria, and that's how he passed yeah, away now. Yeah, but that's sir, new information. Sir, hey, sir, he said that's correct. Mm-hmm. Yep, they they able to figure it out. I, I thought it was going to say, like, malaria. Mm-hmm. Chapter 1. Gifts of the Nile. When Tut was born, around 1343 BC, Egypt was already a very old country. Almost 2,000 years old, in fact. The Egyptian Empire lay on the coast of northern Africa, facing the Mediterranean Sea. It was a land of desert and bare hills, where the sun beat down all year long. There were few trees, and rain hardly ever came. But the Nile River, which runs north and south, split the country in two. The Nile is the longest river in the world, a little more than 4,000 miles long. It was the heart of ancient Egypt. All along the riverbanks was rich farmland. Peasant farmers tilled their fields with plows pulled by oxen. They sprinkled seeds in the soil to grow wheat and vegetables. They raised pigs and goats and sheep. They planted fruit trees and grew grapes. The river also gave the people fish to Dad, eat and ducks to hunt. Yeah, buddy. So I noticed this in the Nile. I think I might go to Egypt only once to make the canals a little giant. Mm hmm. That big, like, uh, like 30,000 more feet taller. 
That'd be a really big canal. Uh, I'll ask for, like, uh, a year to be at Egypt. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. And they could take a canal over there. Well, if it was okay with them, they needed, like, uh, if they were... Because they had floods. Yep, they're flooded every year because of yearly flooding. But they finally got the flooding under control with a really big dam. But it was good. Yeah. Yeah, so they made a, a, a big dam not so long ago. So, they had to move up in the desert where the pyramids are to stay safe. And then there's vitamins and greens. So, is that correct? Yep. So, because of yearly flooding, there were many weeks when farmers could not work. So, the river also provided vacation time for everyone. The Nile was the road that boats traveled, bringing goods from city to city. Clay from Nile mud was also used to build houses. All the great cities like Thebes and Memphis grew up near the river. Ancient Memphis may have been the first city in the world to have a million people. From rock quarries, heavy blocks of stone were brought on barges. They were used to build great temples and statues, some of which are still standing today. The river was the lifeblood of the people. Without it, there would have been no ancient Egypt, just desert. But the desert was important, too. It protected Egypt. It was difficult for enemies to attack. They had to cross so many miles of sand in the blazing heat. At one time, the empire stretched from present-day Egypt south to what is now Ethiopia, east into the Sinai Peninsula, and north to what is now Lebanon and Turkey. From these other lands came ivory, furs, gold, cedar, wood, and other riches. But even as the empire grew and grew, the Egyptian way of life stayed pretty much the same. The Egyptians did not take up the customs or arts of other people. Over thousands of years, what they believed in did not change a lot either. For instance, their ruler was the pharaoh. Yep. So is this true? Does nobody else work at the pyramid? A lot of people worked on the pyramids. Uh-huh. A lot, a lot, a lot of people. Well, not anymore. Well, so now the people that work with the pyramids work to protect them from other people. Oh, uh, so, so they're just protecting them for nobody tries to steal their treasure? And uh, so nobody damages the pyramids and stuff. So like uh, the sp- and the sphinxes? Mm-hmm. Well, that Spanish guy destroyed the sphinxes' nose. Mm-hmm. With a cannon. With... The word originally meant the great house, where the king lived. As time went on, it came to mean the king himself. But the pharaoh was far more than a king. The pharaoh was also the highest priest and judge. He was considered a son of the gods. After his death, he became a god. Two, his people worshipped him. Off? That's what Egyptians believe. What he want? So they want him to be God. No one knows the exact day in 1343 BC when Tut was born. Who were the parents? Even that is not known for sure. His father was most probably Pharaoh Amenhotep IV. The Pharaoh had many wives. Tut's mother may have been one of Amenhotep's less important wives. By the time Tut was born, by the time Tut was 10, he was already married. His wife was one of the Pharaoh's daughters. 
Her name was Akesinamun. By this time, Tut's father had died. Tut became king. He wore the tall crowns of the pharaoh. Like all pharaohs, he wore a false beard strapped to his chin. He carried a crook and a flail. It looked like a whip. They were symbols of his power. But did he have real power? No. no. He was still a child. Well, did his mom and dad die? Mm-hmm. What? At least his dad. They don't know about his mommy. I think we had, like, a stepmother. Well, that was a skeleton Chapter 2 An Unusual Father Of all the pharaohs who ruled Egypt, Tut's father had to be among the strangers. First of all, there was the way he looked. Amenhotep's head was oddly shaped. It was very long and narrow, and his hips were very large for a man. Was a rare disease a cause? Some historians think so. In spite of his looks, Amenhotep married a very beautiful queen, two museums, one in Cairo and one in Berlin, own a bust of her. A bust is a sculpture of someone's head and shoulders. Her name was Nefertiti. Although not of royal birth, Nefertiti looked every inch a queen. Nefertiti became the pharaoh's head wife. Women in ancient Egypt did not have the same rights as men. For example, they did not attend school. But Nefertiti was a powerful woman. She was an important advisor to her husband. She backed him up when he decided to make changes. Big changes. A woman pharaoh. Although women in ancient Egypt were not the equals of men, in 1504 BC, a woman became pharaoh. Her name was Hatshepsut. Hatshepsut. I told you. Yeah, you're right. Hatshepsut. She took power after the pharaoh died suddenly, leaving behind only one very young son, Thutmose III. Most of what we know about Hatshepsut comes from depictions of her in art. At first, she is seen in the typical dress of a woman, but later she is shown in the crown of the pharaoh. She also wears the false beard of the pharaoh. Hatshepsut began many great building projects, but after her death around 1450 BC, Thutmose III became pharaoh, he did his best to erase any records of her. And, uh, he wears the beard and acted like a man. And you can't do that. What kind of changes did Amenhotep make? For one thing, he decided to change the religion. For hundreds and hundreds of years, the people of Egypt had prayed to many gods and goddesses. Some looked like people. Some looked like animals. Some had an animal head and a human body. There was Toth. He was the god of the moon. Anubis was the god of the cemeteries. Isis was the goddess who protected children. In all, there were about a thousand different gods. Some were only local gods, but the important gods had great temples devoted to them. People could visit the temples and pray for the gods' help. Common people, however, were not allowed inside. The most important god of all was Amun-Ra, god of the sun. He appeared in human form. Every day he oh, rode his chariot those. across the sky. Where are those? What's what? Where are the name of those? They said this one's Toth. This one's Anubis. This is Isis. Isis? And this is Amun-Ra. Amun-Ra. Osiris, Isis, 
Seth and Horus were also very powerful gods and goddesses. These four are in the myth of how the earth and the underworld began. According to the myth, Osiris and Isis were king and queen of the earth. They had a son named Horus. But Osiris' brother was jealous and wanted to rule earth. His name was Seth. So he killed Osiris and sent him to the underworld. However, Osiris' son, Horus, took back the kingdom from Seth. Now Horus became king of the earth, his father Osiris, king of the underworld. Seth was shown with the head of an imaginary animal that looks kind of like a greyhound. He was god of the desert. Osiris, god of the dead, was always pictured wrapped tight like a mummy. Isis was thought to protect children and people in need. Horus had the head of a hawk and was god of the sky. The Egyptians believed every pharaoh was the son of Horus. Amenhotep, however, decided to do away with all the gods and goddesses. From then on, there was going to be only one god. This god was also a god of the sun, but it did not appear in human form like Amun-Ra. Instead, it looked like the disk of the sun. Sun rays spread out from it. And at the end of each ray was a hand. The hands were a sign that the god was watching over the people of Egypt. The god's name was Aten-Ra. Pharaoh believed he was Aten-Ra's messenger on earth. The only way people could reach the god was through him. Amenhotep got rid of all the priests who served other gods. Money from their temples now went to Aten-Ra. Amenhotep changed his name to Akhenaten. His new name meant Servant of Aten. Nefertiti changed her name too. Scientists believe to Neferneferoten. This new name means fair is the goddess of Aten. The royal family moved from the city of Thebes. A new capital was built and it was called Amarna. This was where Tut spent his childhood. He grew up learning the new beliefs. The city of Amarna spread for eight miles on either side of the Nile. Here again, Amentodip did something different. Usually the land west of the river was where the dead were buried. Why? Because the sun sets in the west every evening. Just as sunset brings an end to the day, death brings an end to life. So the dead were buried in the western lands. But Amenhotep decided to do the opposite in the new city. A cemetery was built east of the river, the west side of Amarna where was where people lived. New homes and palaces were built as well as new temples, all to Atenra. Before this, temples had long holes that led to dark inner rooms. This was where the priests would pray. The new temples to Atenra were open-air buildings that led in the divine light of the sun. Pharaoh also wanted to change the style of paintings. The old style had many rules for artists to follow. The person was always shown from the side. The head was always shown in profile, with one eye looking straight at the viewer. A person's face always looked young and perfect. No wrinkles or gray hair. Both shoulders always face front, but the torso had to be shown in profile. One leg was always placed directly in front of the other. Does this uh, 11, 12 in Spanish? Is 10, 1? 11. 11. 11. 11. 11. 11. 11. 11. 11. 11. 11. 11. 11. 11. 11. 11. 11. 11. 11. 11. 11. 11. 11. 11. 11. 11. 11. 11. 11. 11. 11. 11. 11. 11. 11. 11. 11. 11. 11
Oh, quatorce is four. So. It's fourteen. The paintings were often very beautiful, but the people in them never looked natural or three-dimensional. Why were there so many rules for artists? The ancient Egyptians believed that a painting of a dead person could come to life, so it needed to include all the different parts of the body. An arm or a leg couldn't be left out, and the person would want to look the way he or she did when young and healthy, not when old or sick. Yeah, of course. But Amenhotep decided to change the rules. He wanted to be portrayed as he really looked, with his long head and narrow eyes. He also wanted paintings of people to seem more natural, not so formal. One painting shows Amenhotep and his wife playing fondly with three of their six little daughters. Never before had anything like this been shown. Changes, however, did not last. They were stopped soon after Amenhotep's death. He was the pharaoh for about 16 years. The new city of Amarna was soon deserted. The old customs were brought back. It must have been a very confusing time for the whole country. Just when people were getting used to all the changes, they were told to forget them. Even if Tut had already been a grown man, it would have been a difficult time to become pharaoh. The eyes of Horus, words of evil. Still, growing up in ancient Egypt was full of pleasures, especially if somebody belonged to the royal family. Pat was born a prince. He spent his childhood in a brand new palace in Amarna. Egyptian palaces were huge. All over the palace grounds were beautiful gardens and giant pools. I thought he was the prince. I thought he was a prince. He was a prince before he became pharaoh. Yeah, that was my guess. He was a prince. Egyptian palaces were huge. All over the palace grounds were beautiful gardens and giant pools the size of lakes. The palace buildings were made of brick and covered in white plaster. The walls were covered with colorful paintings. There were separate buildings for the pharaoh's wives. Servants would have seen to all of Tut's needs. Each day they brought his food, peasants ate bread and drank beer. But for a royal prince, there were meat and vegetables, figs and dates. Wine was made from grapes grown in the north of Egypt or from dates of fig, dates or figs or pomegranates. It appears that young Tut was a member of the Clean Plate Club. A small statue of him reveals a chubby child with a plump belly and arms. His servants also bathed and dressed him. They shaved his head, leaving only a braid of hair at the side. This was the hairstyle for a prince. While he slept, they fanned him with ostrich plume fans. That way, the heat would not disturb him. Crocodiles lived in the Nile River. So guards kept watch every time Tut went swimming. Once he got older, he could ride his own chariot drawn by two fine horses with plumed headdresses. Or he would sit back and enjoy a boat trip on the Nile. Tut took his bow and arrow and went hunting with his hounds. In the desert, he might shoot. 
an ostrich. Yeah, an ostrich. Near the river, there were ducks to hunt. Evidently, Tut liked playing a popular board game called Sonnet. He made sure four sets were put in his tomb. Did he like to play music? Perhaps so. Trumpets were found in his tomb. If he didn't want to play himself, musicians would play for him. They'd play the harp and lute and pipe. Because of the heat, even princes and princesses wore light, simple clothing. Paintings of Tomb Common show him in a pleated kilt of white linen. His clothes were simple, but his jewelry was not. He wore heavy gold bracelets and rings. Some necklaces of beads and golds were so large that they covered his chest. His wife wore lots of heavy, beautiful jewelry. So did other royal children. Young boys wore heavy earrings. Two pairs of tuts were placed in his tomb. Mm-hmm. I think you're starting to get close to the page I color. Oh, cool. I think you're ten more, uh, like, uh, a little more pages away. Ancient Egypt was the first place to develop a written language. Boys learned to read and write starting at four years old. Did Tut know how? Probably. Writing materials were put inside his tomb. A beautiful brush case belonging to Tut was made from wood, covered in gold foil with gemstones. Tut didn't feel like doing his own writing. He could have had a scribe do it for him. The scribe's job was to write down all the pharaoh's orders and letters for him. The Egyptians didn't have pens or pencils. Instead, they took a reed and chewed on the end of it. When the tip split apart, it could be used as a brush. Black ink was made from soot or charcoal. came in a small round block. The student had to dip the brush in a water pot before rubbing it on the ink. Does this I have a question. Mm-hmm. So, when King Tut was dead, he was in a sarcophagus. Yep, they buried him in a sarcophagus. What, and he was made of gold with glass covering it. <clears throat> on the head, yeah, the headpiece. Egyptians made a kind of heavy paper from papyrus plants mm-hmm. along the banks of the Nile. Our word paper comes from papyrus. The stem of the plant was cut into long strips. The strips then were placed in two layers crossways and pounded with a hammer. When all the juice was pounded out, the two layers formed a single sheet. That was put under a heavy stone until it dried out even more and became flatter. The last step was to rub the papyrus sheet back and forth with a stone until it was smooth. Instead of binding sheets of papyrus into books, the sheets were rolled up into scrolls. Papyrus paper was very strong. Some scrolls have been found that are thousands of years old. They are still in good shape. Papyrus was also easy to erase. A dab of water was all that was needed to get rid of a mistake. As a child, Tut probably made lots of mistakes learning to write. Our alphabet only has 26 letters. It's had about 1,000 different symbols called hieroglyphs. Many hieroglyphs look more like pictures than letters after the ancient empires empire of egypt came to an end the meaning of hieroglyphs was lost for many centuries no one could translate the writing it was like a secret code that could not be broken then in 1822 a frenchman named jean francois champollion finally figured out how to decipher hieroglyphs translate many of the objects in king tome or king tut's tomb are inscribed with the pharaoh's name in hieroglyphs it looked like this A sun, a scarab, and then a steaming hot bowl of something. So, Doug, do you want to notice hieroglyphics can be like uh, 
And you see that bird? There's a there's a couple of different one of those. So it can be an M, a U, or a W. W. It's it's A supposed to be like that, or maybe it's in cuneiform. Mhm. That's the page I colored. Beautiful. So that's all the sand it was blowing. Mhm. The sand swirl. The Rosetta Stone. If it weren't for a lucky accident, the meaning of hieroglyphs might still be a mystery. In 1799, French soldiers found a large piece of black stone called basalt. The stone had carvings in three different scripts, hieroglyphs, Greek, and a third kind called demotic. The words on the stone were written in 196 BC to praise a pharaoh named Ptolemy. And all three languages were commonly used at the time so that whoever saw the stone could read it. By the 1800s, no one knew how to read hieroglyphs, but if someone could match up the Greek and the demotic to the hieroglyphs, they could create a key to hieroglyphs. Jean-Francois Champollion finally figured out the basic rules of hieroglyphs after studying the stone for 14 years. Finally, after almost 1,500 years of silence, the language of ancient Egypt could be at last heard. The stone is called the Rosetta Stone after the town where it was found. Today, it is in the British Museum in London. Cool. Whoa. Are they big pyramids in these? Uh... Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're big. Only I think one. that's where we're stuck for tonight. Mm-hmm. Okay. Next chapter, chapter four.